devil thought he had a hold of me he told so many lies that i believed got too weak to carry on i thought that i was too far gone but then i heard a voice from calvary and now i'm singing no more shackles on my
Please rise for our first song.
You may be seated, and good morning to all of you. Uh, glad that we can gather together in God's house, here or online, and be reminded of the fact that he will never let us go. He's got us in the palm of his hands, and, and he cares for us, he nurtures us, he protects us. Uh, he does so much because he has such a love for you and for me. Uh, welcome again to all, especially welcome to our guests. We're glad you're with us. Uh, we invite you to come back, so uh, please do so. But before you leave, uh, you could do a couple things. Number one, if you are online and or here, um, you could text us and let us know that you're here. And the number for texting is 402, I'm sorry, that's prayers. Text, let's go back to that. I'm sorry, go back if you would. Thank you. Text 1C guest to 94,000. Okay, one C guest to 94,000. So if you're online or here and you would like to text us and let us know you're here, great. If you're here and you can stop at Next Steps in the family gathering area, we can meet you and greet you there as well. Also, a little bit later, we're going to be praying. And if you have a prayer request that you like included in the service today, that's where you can text those prayers to 402-242-5051. And you could do that whether you're here in the house or if you're online, you can text it or put your prayer request in on the comments section on Facebook Live. Uh, third, we're going to have communion a little later in the service. Some of you know what communion is, and you're going, I get it, I know it. Some of you may be sitting here going, I don't know what that is, and who is it for? And So I'm going to give you a brief explanation of it. And if you ever want to sit down and talk about communion... If you have more questions about it, I'd love to meet you and greet you and, and uh, go through that with you. But here at 1C, we believe that in the Bible, when Jesus gave this gift of Holy Communion, that it is bread and wine, body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And if that's your belief, we invite you and, in fact, encourage you to celebrate this gift with us. So hopefully, if you, if you did not receive the elements yet, during the next song, you can make your way into the family gathering area by the kitchen window, and you can receive either um, bread and then wine or juice for the celebration. Also on the way in, hopefully you picked up a brochure. Uh, we're going to be doing these, and you're going to see the theme for the day. Like today, it's love is kind. And on the back side, you're going to see the scripture verses that are going to be put before us today. And I encourage you to take this with you, and then throughout the week, revisit God's word and just let it sink in and let it start changing our, our thinking and way of life so in a way that would give God the ultimate glory. So that's it. Let's continue now as we worship.
let's worship the Lord. Sing with me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy seat.
Boys and girls, this morning we are talking about how love is kind. And so I wanted to share a book with you this morning. It's called Ronnie Wilson's Gift by Francis Chan. And as we read through and see what happens with Ronnie, you can follow along on the screens and, and see the pages of the book. So let's read and see what happens with Ronnie and his gift. Little Ronnie Wilson's jaw dropped in amazement. It was the first time he heard the real reason Jesus came to earth such a long time ago. He did that for us? That's amazing. Then an exciting, exciting idea popped into Ronnie's mind. Jesus gave me an awesome gift, so I want to give him a present too. When Ronnie got home, he tried to think of the perfect present for Jesus. His teddy bear? was old and falling apart. His piggy bank only had $6.47 in it. Then Ronnie saw his baseball glove on the bookshelf. It was signed by his Uncle Jack, a player in the big leagues. Ronnie loved his glove more than anything else he owned. He thought to himself, Jesus gave me the greatest gift of all. So I want to give him the greatest gift I can. So Ronnie grabbed his glove and raced on his bike to the post office. How much will it cost to mail this to heaven? I only have $6.47, Ronnie explained. The mailman answered, well, I'm sorry, Ronnie. We can't deliver mail to heaven. We have no way to get it there. Okay, thanks anyway, Ronnie said as he walked out the door. Roddy rode home on his bike, thinking of different ways that he could get his baseball glove to Jesus when he nearly ran into a man shuffling down the sidewalk. Sorry, sir. That's okay, son. The man smiled just a little bit, and Ronnie heard his tummy grumble. Um, have you had lunch yet? Ronnie asked the man. The man shook his head, and Ronnie thought maybe he didn't have enough money to buy lunch. So Ronnie shook his piggy bank until some coins fell out. Ronnie gave the money to the man who used it to buy a hot dog with the works. Later, Ronnie went out to his backyard to jump on the trampoline. He jumped as high as he could. In fact, he jumped so high that his next door neighbor, Jesse, saw him. What are you doing? Jesse asked him. I'm trying to jump to heaven so I can give my baseball glove to Jesus. Do you want to jump with me? Ronnie asked. Jesse said, yes. Jesse and Ronnie didn't jump high enough to make it to heaven, but they had a good time trying. At the carnival the next day, Ronnie bought a giant balloon with the rest of his money, and he tied his baseball glove to the balloon and wrote a note to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I hope you enjoy my baseball glove. Just as he was about to let his balloon fly up to heaven, he heard a little girl crying, Mommy, my balloon. Ronnie didn't like that the little girl was sad. So he gave his balloon to her. But now he had no way to get his gift to Jesus. Ronnie prayed, Jesus, I'm sorry I couldn't get your present to you. I tried my hardest. Thank you anyway. That night, Ronnie had the strangest dream. He was in heaven, and Jesus said to him, Thanks for the present, Ronnie. What present? Thanks for the balloon when I was sad. 
Thanks for jumping on the trampoline with me when I was lonely. And thanks for the hot dog when I was hungry. What do you mean, Ronnie asked. Jesus answered, don't you remember what I wrote in the Bible? Whatever you do for these brothers of mine, you do for me. Billy is the man you saw near the post office. He lost everything in a fire except his faith. He had just prayed for food, and I used you to answer his prayer. Your neighbor Jesse loves me, but he's lonely. I used you to be a friend to him. And the little girl who lost her balloon, her name is Rachel. Her dad works hard, but doesn't have a lot of money. So I loved it when you gave her your balloon. They are all my children, and when you give a gift to my children in need, it's the same as giving a gift to me. So thanks, Ronnie. Just then, Ronnie woke up. It was the happiest dream he'd ever had, and he wore a, a huge smile across his face. Now he knew exactly what he was going to do. Later that day, Ronnie went to play in the park with his friend Keith. Keith had always wanted to play on a baseball team, but didn't have a glove. So that afternoon, Ronnie gave him a surprise present. Keith had never been so excited. As Ronnie knelt by his bed that night, he looked up to heaven and whispered, Jesus, I hope you enjoy the baseball glove. And Matthew 25, verse 40 says, And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Isn't that awesome? We saw how Ronnie noticed simple ways that he could be kind to people around him. And as he did that, he shared the love of Jesus with those people. And not only did he share Jesus' love with the people in need, he also showed Jesus how much he loves him. And we can do the same thing. As we go, th go throughout our days, we can just look for opportunities to be kind to people and to share Jesus' love. And we do this because Jesus first loved us. Now, he didn't give us a baseball glove, but he gave us something far greater. He gave us everything. Jesus left heaven and came to earth so that, that we could have life with him. He was born as a baby, and then he left home to go with his disciples and to travel around and help people in need, to feed people who were hungry, to heal people that were sick. And then he left this life by dying on the cross for us, rising from the grave, and then ascending into heaven. And as Jesus ascended into heaven, he left us here to share his love with others, just like Ronnie did. Will you pray with me? We'll fold our hands, bow our heads, and you can repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us and for being so kind. Help us to share your kindness and your love with others. Amen. Moms and dads, if you want to borrow this book, you can come see me after worship. It's available for you to borrow. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all. 
song a long time ago and I was thinking of the, um, the run to the father, you know, the prodigal son and running to the father. But the real truth is because of our sin, if you go back to Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? Did they run to their father? No, they ran the other way. And that's really what our sin does to us. It causes us to go away from God and yet God pursues us. With, with this almost relentless love that says, I'm going to pursue you because I want you to be part of my family forever. So let's take a moment. We're going to confess our sins, and then we're going to be reminded of the gospel, the good news that is in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about the, uh, the rhythm of life, 
we sin. Your scriptures tell us that uh, we fall short of the glory of God. And we're also told that the wages of that sin is death. So thank you for understanding that. Thank you for um, running after us, pursuing us with a love that only you can do. So thank you for sending your son. Thank you for all that he accomplished while on this earth. His death, his resurrection, the payment for sin, and the victory that is ours. So may your Holy Spirit stir within us a deeper understanding of, yes, our sin, but also, more importantly, your forgiveness, your good news in your Son, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. a bit different now now that my heart's been found nothing really feels the same I hold my head a bit higher I lift my voice a bit louder yeah something inside has changed I am a mountain mover water walker more than just an overcomer cause I've been set free I am a gospel preacher, heart on fire, freedom singing, testifier, cause I've been redeemed. I am a believer.
we are ready for the celebration of Holy Communion. So if you would, take the elements out at this time. And as I do each week, I'm going to share from the scripture, from the Bible, where Jesus is instituting or starting this very precious meal. So I'm going to read that or share that first, and then after that I'll invite you to take the elements individually. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, which is given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So if you would, take the bread and take and eat. This is the body of Christ given for you. And if you would, take the wine or the juice and take and drink. This is the blood of Jesus shed for you. And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve you steadfast in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in peace. Amen. Lord Jesus, we come to you with our, the prayers of our 1C family and those in our community. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. A prayer to, for continued insight and knowledge and resources as I continue to work in social work and to be the kind of worker to my co-workers. A praise, once again, a clean scan. And a prayer for a husband to be healed from his back. Protection for friends and family from the virus and all those who are struggling. And thanks for the vaccine. Prayers for healing and the anxiety that's in my life right now. Pray for guidance for a son. He's graduating soon, and he's not sure what God's plan is for his future. Safe travels and guidance for my parents. Jesus, we thank you that you have given us the privilege of prayer, and we bring these to you this morning. And then we pray the one that you taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here at 1C, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. In other words, what he did um, a long time ago by the movement of the Holy Spirit prompted and led and guided uh, individuals to write down for us who God is, how he loves us, then also the desires he has for his children. 
And so we're going to be looking into that Word of God. In fact, as we go into 1 Corinthians 13, what I like to do each week is to share a different translation of 1 Corinthians 13. And my guess, you've heard it if you've been to a wedding, often 1 Corinthians 13 is shared. So you're going to hear some different translations, um, but it's the same portion of Scripture. So if I could have uh, that 1 Corinthians 13 passage up. All right, let's read this out loud together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not break. It is not arrogant. It does not act disgracefully. It does not seek its own benefit. It is not provoked. It does not keep an account of wrongs suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Gracious God, thank you for your word, the scriptures, and the truth we find in it. We thank you also for your Holy Spirit sent uh, to help us understand what your word means for us in our life and our journey with you. So may that Holy Spirit be sent in a powerful way to open up our eyes, ears, and hearts to this truth for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We have put before us 1 Corinthians 13, a little background to it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is written by Paul, and he was actually in Ephesus writing this letter to Corinth, you know, the church there. He had started the church in Corinth a couple years earlier. We don't know exactly the dates, but we'll just say three, four, maybe five years earlier because he heard that there were, there were things happening in the church. There was division and discord, or understandably now in light of this, this letter, he heard of their lack of love for each other. So he is going to now write and try to um, address this concern and encourage the people, the church at Corinth, to love as they've been loved by God. Now the interesting thing, at least for me, as you take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, just picture if you would, he's sitting there and he is writing this out, okay? And he is uh, getting to 1 Corinthians, the, the 13th chapter, so a little bit later in the letter, and now he starts saying stuff like, love is patient, kind, and all this. Now, understand the difference. We have the sign up here that says, love matters, and I'm going to say this, all love matters. It really does. But I think Paul is holding up a different or a, a profound and prominent aspect of love that he wants the church at Corinth and also people in Columbus and wherever you're listening today. He wants you to know that there is a certain kind of love that stands out above every other. And what we find in these, these verses is Paul uses the word agape love. There's uh, brotherly love, there's erotic love, there's all these different words that we can use, but Paul is now locked in on agape love. This unconditional, this selfless love that is looking to, to other people and wanting to bless other people. 
And he uses that, and then he attaches it to some other aspects. Like today, we're going to talk about the word kind, but he says love is kind. So you just need to put those together. And, and how you, at least for me, you start seeing this when you understand who Paul is. Remember, before Paul was Paul, what was his name? Anybody know? Saul, okay? And he wasn't a, um, a Christian at the time. Rather, he was a Christian killer. And he was a Pharisee. That means he was kind of the pastor of the day. And um, he would be going around and persecuting anyone that was saying that they followed Christ. But he was, he was well-versed in the scriptures. So tie that history with this letter. And here's how, you know, for me, it just kind of jumped off the pages. So here is Paul. He has studied the scriptures. He learned under Gamaliel, the head the best rabbi out there, about the scriptures. And one of the words that's in the Old Testament in Hebrew that just stands out throughout all of the Old Testament is the word chesed. It's kind of fun to say, um, but it, it has such intense meaning that no language can capture that word. We can try, we can have all these different translations you're going to see every week, but there is no language out there that's going to capture this word, chesed, because what that word really gets to is loving kindness to an nth degree. It's, it's attributed to the God of the universe, powerful enough to make the heavens and the earth, and yet this loving kindness that says, ah, oh, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they, they've fallen short. I'm going to have loving kindness for them that's going to move me to send my son to come to this earth. I'm going to do all of this because I have such loving kindness for them. So picture now, here Paul, writing this out. And he's, he's sending these words of encouragement. And he's attaching the word agape with kind. And when you get this together, it's a special kind of love. Now, what does it all mean? there was a time where uh, we find this in the Gospels. A lawyer comes up to Jesus and says, hey, how, how do I get to heaven? And then Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you could almost picture that the lawyer is just trying to understand this because this is big concept stuff. So Jesus then tells a parable. He's going to unpack this for the lawyer so he gets it. And he tells the story, but I think in this story he does a couple things for us today. He talks about attitudes. And he talks about love and how it matters. And you're going to walk through, we're going to walk through this, and you're going to see three different approaches to how we love. And it's going to be very obvious that at the end you're going to see the one that Jesus says, yep, this is where it works. So let me uh, start you off here. This is Luke chapter 10. There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him, and beat him, leaving him half dead. It so happened that a priest was going down that road, but when he saw the man, he walked on by the other side. So the first response to an incident where this 
agape love could be given or handed out by somebody who should know better. A priest. A priest, one who has studied the scriptures, who almost takes pride at understanding God and his, his chesed, his loving kindness. What did he do? Well, I'll just put it this way. We learn from this first one, there are people, sometimes me, sometimes you, where we keep our distance from moments where we could take this love, this very special love, this agape love in kindness, and we go, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. And we don't even spend any effort or any time. And I'm guessing the priest, and this is, this is hard for me sometimes to say this, was just like me. There were times as a pastor, I could picture the priest saying, you know, I have really important things to do here. I've got to get to the temple. I've got to do these things. You know what? There have been many times in my marriage and as a parent that I kind of got busy and distracted doing the God thing. And I miss out on maybe a moment where God is saying, you know what? Love your wife. Love your kids. Spend time with them. They need you. Maybe you can relate to that. So, hold on to that one. Now, in the same way, a Levite, uh, a little background to that, Levites are from the tribe of Levi. They often were responsible for some of the ceremonial things that took place in the temple. So they were in the inner circle too. They understood God's chesed, his mercy, his, his loving kindness. They really did get it. Now this Levite also came there, went over it, looked at the man, and then walked on by the other side. Who knows? Maybe it's the, he had other things that he had to do. Maybe he all of a sudden realized as he came to look over and saw the wounds thinking, boy, that could be me. This is a dangerous area. I better get going. We don't know exactly other than the, this one didn't give that kind of loving kindness. So I put this as curious but uninvolved. Okay. Now we get to the third one. But a Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. Now, different translations will say it differently, but here's what pity is, or compassion. That's another translation. It's, it's kind of knowing what it feels like that the person's going through. It's kind of like you've walked in their shoes. You understand what's going on in their life and what's at risk, and you feel it. It's not just a cognitive moment, but I think it drops down 18 inches and something happens here. And you're moved so much that you are compelled to do something. And walking back to the other side or walking on without doing something is not an option. So here we have these three stories. And I'll just say this. Treat others how I want them to be treated. Remember the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So how you want to be treated, treat this man that has been beaten up and left to die. So if you want somebody to come and take care of you and express loving kindness, do this for others. This is the heartbeat of what Jesus is getting at in this parable, this teaching of the Good Samaritan. So I would like to say that the parable of the Good Samaritan 
is an example of kindness. Not just any kind of kindness, but agape kindness. And maybe you know the difference, but I'm just going to give you a couple illustrations that you will um, hopefully see. Example, if you came in today and somebody opened the door for you, maybe you thought, oh, that's kind. Or maybe, maybe you're at the grocery store and somebody says, oh, you just have a couple items. Why don't you go ahead of me? That's kind. Now, I'll just tell you my world. I'm always sitting there and I'm looking at somebody that's in the 10 items or less thing. How many of you do it? How many of you look into the cart and see if there's 11 items? Now, the kind thing would be, oh, that's okay. But no, no. I'll get an attitude. Now, I'm smiling about it, but it's, I'm missing out here. I think sometimes we do miss out. This is a different kind of kindness. This one is selfless. It's unconditional. It's looking for the needs of others, maybe even above yours. So, let me walk you through a couple of the aspects. So, the first one, remember, Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him. I believe what Jesus is teaching in this parable is open up your eyes. Don't be so busy. I am a very agenda-driven person. Point A leads to point B, and don't interrupt me. And I think that there are times when God says, I understand your point A, I understand your point B, but I've got this point A1 right here. Somebody who needs loving kindness. And I'll take care of B for you. Stop and love. Do something. Okay? Secondly, <laughs> when he saw him, he had compassion for him. Just emphasizing the fact is when you have compassion, okay, it's actually stepping into somebody's world. Letting it drop 18 inches from head to heart. And understanding that somebody needs my passion coming alongside somebody else. Come passion. Kind of a, a derivative. All right, and then he went to him and bound his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care, care of him. This is that unconditional, selfless, I'm going to pull out all stops. I'm going to take a risk because it is a risk. It's that kind of chesed, this loving kindness that reaches deep down and does something that is remarkable, that is life-changing. Now, let me walk you through some of these words again, uh, but a Samaritan. I'm going to highlight that. We can, we can breathe, um, uh, go right past it and not get it, but there were really a tension point between Jewish people and Samaritans, okay? Um, Samaritans are half-blooded Jews, which means Jewish person that married somebody else and then the family tree. The Jews did not look favorably upon Samaritans and vice versa. So when Jesus is telling a story, he's talking about this unthinkable moment when a Samaritan is going to love somebody who hasn't loved him back. Big concept, folks. We live in such a world, if you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. 
But Jesus is teaching the kind of kindness we're talking about, this loving kindness, this agape kindness, is one that doesn't act like that. I'm going to love you because God loved me, not because you loved me. Big difference, okay? So this is the story of kindness that Jesus has for you and me. So we've looked at this. We can translate it over there. And I put it all on one slide. Jesus is aware of our need, right? He saw sin. He saw brokenness. He saw desperation. Um, has a heart of compassion. He came from heaven down to this earth, knowing what was going to be ahead of him. Jesus demonstrates love in his actions. We're in the Lenten season. Before you know it, we're going to be on, in Holy Week, and we're going to remember Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and he knew that there was going to be this moment after the upper room when he's out there praying that a friend named Judas is going to betray him with a kiss. Then he's going to be arrested, and then he's going to be put on trial. Then he's going to be beaten. Then he's going to be put on a cross. He knew all of that, but his actions were demonstrating this chesed, this loving kindness. I'm going to love this world no matter what. And he loves all people. And I just think about that. It's not, it's, it's black and white rich or poor, people who have it all and people that can barely make life work. He's going to love all people. So this is the second dynamic, the story of God's desire for kindness through you and me. So it's one thing to talk about the story and think it's a really nice thing in, in Luke chapter 10. Then you could attribute it to, to Jesus saying, well, that's what he's all here for. But then it comes to you and me. And we can go through that same list. We are to be aware of those in need. We are to have a heart of compassion. We are to demonstrate love in our actions. And we are to love all people. An important part of that is with his love. With his agape love. Selfless, unconditional, life-changing love. With that in mind, I'd like to invite Vicar... Randall Longacre. Oh, my. And I'm going to tell you this. He asked me to wear a flannel shirt today. I, I said, I'm not going to wear it. You, you carry that off so well. I, I would look foolish next to him. Yeah, you don't want that. I don't want no. that. No. But on a serious note, as um, he has been brought, brought on here to encourage people like you and me in outreach and missions. And so I've asked him to come and share about at least one of them today and then more to come. Do so some, go ahead. Do some more to come. About 16 years ago in Tucson, I was attending a church and I met Okongo Samson. And Okongo is from Africa. I'm not sure which nation. In 2003, he started a nonprofit called Unite for Africa. And in the ensuing years, they have been throughout the continent of Africa doing community development work, but with a gospel emphasis. So in a minute here, we're going to see a brief interview with Okongo and his bride, Shyla. I did this Zoom interview at Monday of this week. A couple of heads ups. Uh, it's, not, it, it's not studio quality. It's kind of homegrown. So you're going to hear some popping noise, not throughout the whole thing, but I just want you to be aware that it's there, okay? And we want to watch this and begin to get a sense of what might we be able to do in a global context? And so let's give a look. 
can you just say a, a few words about the impact that you two are seeing that the gospel is having in the communities where Unite for Africa is working? First of all, thank you so much for having us and even to them who are uh, watching or listening. We are so glad to join you as we share um, God's story and what God is doing uh, sometime in our life, but also the life of other people uh, in other countries and other continent. So uh, first, the vision of Unite for Africa is to unite, uh, um, equip, and mobilize individual and community to transform themselves spiritually, physically, socially, emotionally, and economically, bringing abundant life in Christ. The vision God laid in my heart and the hearts of so many thousands of people who are leaders of Unite for Africa came about as, um, as a result of the challenges we are going through in all those um, areas, spiritual, social, uh, economical, and emotional. I know many people, when they hear about Africa, they think about it in terms of diseases, poverty, and, and all sorts of things. And actually, here in, in the United States, when people say they're going to a, a mission fail, often it is Africa. So basically, there is that need of spiritual need, you know, emotional and, and economical and, uh, and social. So I grew up in a poor, uh, a poor family. My parents had uh, 16 children. I'm number 15. <laughs> and actually, uh, to the point where you know, I, the first shoes, I, the first time I had shoes was when I was 15 years old. You know, at that time, my toes were pointing east, west, America, South America, Asia. And so, and so, I, so that, that is just to share um, or to give you a picture of how poor we came. But then when God laid in my heart to uh, start Unite for Africa, which ended up uh, in getting incorporated in 2003 here in the U.S., um, our, our passion and our vision to empower local people, individuals, in those areas of spiritual, emotional, um, physical, and, um, and, and, and by doing that, we share God's word. Yes. And by doing that, we come alongside widows and orphans by giving them goats and, and uh, things that can help them be self-sustaining. By doing that, we, we, come, um, we come alongside community schools uh, because we realize schools empower people to be educated and have a future. But even within that, um, it's a place where kids come and they hear the gospel, some of them for the first time, and I'll share some of those impact, and then they take the gospel home and, and then uh, to God be the glory. Yes. Shyla, um, could you speak just a little bit to, what, what do you see in the communities? Like, Give us a story of how God is impacting those communities. Just Think of a family that you know or an individual you know and give us a story. We just got home from Kenya about 48 hours ago. We spent the weekend, well actually an overnight, with a young couple uh, from the Maasai village uh, named Titus and Mary. Titus just came to know the Lord within the last two years and when we were traveling in 2019, uh, Okongo had identified this young man as, as a potential leader, as, as um, a good-hearted, uh, ambitious young man. So he kind of pulled him out and prayed for him right at that time. And since that time, we've been discipling this couple. 
Well, we got to spend time with them just this last weekend. Um, and it is exciting to see the transformation that's happening in their lives as they're um, not only as Christ has transformed their life, but they're applying the principles of discipleship that we that we're coming alongside them with and their their economic um, just to hear them talk about the freedom of their economic status, their relational status, um, the impact they're having in their community. It's I mean, it's exciting. It's um, it's almost overwhelming because, you know, this this particular couple is just really wide open to kind of laying aside the cultural expectations and following the Jesus way instead. Yeah. And it is transforming their lives and and the community around them is noticing that mm -hmm. and, and taking interest in what is happening in their life. Yeah, I, I think I, I read that on, on the website that that you tend to go into communities that are kind of off the beaten path, if you will. They, they don't have a lot of resources. They don't have a lot of people coming to them. Yes. How do you identify these communities? That's a good question. You know, uh, some of the community do hear what's going on in other communities. And, um, and each and every community is, has its own niche and uh, per people group, per tribe, per country. Mm -hmm. And when they hear a transformation uh, uh, of different life happening there, they send a message, can you come and empower us? And so it's by their invitation. We don't really invite ourselves in there. Even when we go there and meet with them, we kind of share and empower them with God's word. But at the end, we want them to invite us to come alongside them versus us inviting ourselves in their community. I have one more thing to ask, and then I'll turn off the recording and just chat for a few minutes. I wonder, could you speak right to the heart of 1C Church? God's people gathered in here in Columbus, Nebraska, called 1C the Sanctuary. Could you speak to them and just extend a personal invitation for them to lean in to Unite for Africa? So we appreciate uh, what uh, you guys do as a church, um, a, a church of Christ, uh, not only a church of Christ in Nebraska, but also a church of Christ starting with the model that Jesus had, starting with your Jerusalem and to the uttermost part of the world. Mm -hmm. And we are always thrilled to hear that a church is doing something within among themselves and in, into their surrounding, and then looking forward to see what God would want them to do to the uttermost part of the world. Now that is fulfilling Jesus' great commission because he called us to go to the nation to disciple others. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and we have had great uh, testimony and faith of how you are trying to apply that in your community and all over. And Unite for Africa, having uh, been uh, given the opportunity by the Lord to work in so many countries, we are looking forward to, uh, to either having you be our prayer partner to do the things we are doing in the nation, which is ultimately fulfilling the great, the great commission God called us because we can't do it together. Even when Jesus left, he prayed that we become one. So uh, our, our prayer is that we become one in order to fulfill all these um, great things uh, and the great commission he called us to so we are so thankful for uh for the church uh for their effort and the vision they have god's vision 
to, to really go to the uttermost part of the world, starting with their Jerusalem. So we are so thankful. And we, we, even though we have not met you, we feel like we are one in the spirit, one body, uh, one vision, and we have this one call. And uh, we can't wait to come and fellowship with you together. And we cherish your prayer. And we will be praying for you as God continues to, to work in you and among you uh, as, as he lead you to accomplish the vision he has given for you as the church. Thank you so much for that. What a, what a sweet time to be together. Thank you for taking the time just to speak to what you're doing in Africa and what it means. And, you know, your, both of your hearts was just all over this interview. And I am ever so grateful. So we'll, um, we'll get this edited down to however many minutes they give us. I'd like to do the whole thing. We'll, we'll see what happens. So I'm going to pause us now and let's just chat for a few minutes. What do you think? Yeah, we can also share a little bit of who we are. You know? So Shaila and I, we are, we, are, we are running the organization. We are based in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, together we have uh, seven children. So we are blessed and now they are all grown. And so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. So, uh, so we also um, uh, uh, pray for you all as, uh, as family. And, uh, and we are looking forward to come and spend some time and fellowship with you. Yes, we would love that. Would love that. So we hope that Okongo can get here sometime in the future. Listen to God's word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning in our prayers, remembering before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Reading that just to kind of tie into this whole interview that we saw with Okongo and the work that they're doing in Africa and how we might partner with them and lean into this work of faith, this labor of love, being able to bring the steadfastness of hope across the communities in Africa. So I just want to say again, one of the ways that, that we have the opportunity to do that right now is we have this $100,000 challenge grant, which is a matching grant. So what we give gets matched. I guess that's the nuts and bolts of it, yeah? Yep. Okay. That certainly is a component, but as you heard Okongo say, what they really would like for us to begin to do right away is to pray for them, is to pray for he and Shyla and the staff that's over in Africa and all that they're doing there. So let's close this time with a prayer for just that. Lord Jesus, thank you for Okongo, thank you for Shyla, thank you for the leaders that are in the countries of Africa. Thank you that your spirit is moving across that land through organizations like Unite for Africa. And people are hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel, and they are walking in newness of life with Jesus. Transformation, individual transformation, community transformation is happening. Speak to us. Speak to 1C about what you might have us do. Give us a vision in our hearts. So we are grateful for your presence with us here this morning, for hearing our prayers, and for your great, never-ending love. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.
I'm trying to be something I'm not to please everyone else.